One fascinating sidebar question that arises in the wake of the Sri Lanka presidential election last week is, will it diminish the perceived value for most Sinhalese politicians of advice and predictions by astrologers? It has long been a widely known fact that such advice was eagerly sought by all leading politicians in Sri Lanka, but the astrologer's role has still tended to remain secretive. No longer. One minor achievement of the internet in Sri Lanka has been to publicise this once secretive world to a far greater extent. In part, this is due to the fact that former President Mahinda Rajapaksa's main astrology advisor, Sumanandasa Abe Gunawardna, has been clearly not averse to seeking personal publicity. Far from being secretive, Mr Abe Gunawardna allowed himself to be interviewed by the New York Times' Ellen Barry a few days before the voting. As Miss Barry observed as she met him at his home in Gaul in southern Sri Lanka, quote, Few people will be watching this week's presidential election in Sri Lanka with more pointed interest than a balding, prosperous-looking man wearing a gold amulet under his shirt who claims the title of Royal Astrologer. For decades, the astrologer, Sumanadasa Abigurunawadna, has stood beside the long-time politician and current president, Mahindo Rajapaksa, occupying a role that in this part of the world combines the functions of spiritual advisor, political consultant and life coach. The headline for her report made the upcoming presidential election in Sri Lanka into a test. As vote nears, astrologer for Sri Lanka's president faces ultimate test of his skills. Abhidunawardena told the Times that, quote, identifying auspicious times is very dangerous work, very risky work, and for astrologers working at this level, potentially it's career-ending. Even if there is a slight defect, it can result in something bad. If an astrologer errs, the whole thing goes wrong. Sometimes their houses are demolished, unquote. Miss Barry notes that in 2009, an astrologer named Chandrasiri Bandara, who wrote a column for a pro-opposition weekly, was arrested and questioned by the Criminal Investigations Department after he predicted that Mr Rajapaksa might be dousted. Bandara was released shortly afterwards, and he continues to comment on politics, but now he does it with considerably more caution. Flattery is obviously part of the astrological game. Abhiguna Wardner has known Rajapaksa since the 1980s, when he first approached Rajapaksa and told him he was the long-awaited Prince Dayasena, the hero who, according to Sinhala Buddhist legend, was destined to save Sri Lanka from anarchy and then rule for another 24 years. Rajapaksa has tried to sustain that monarchical legend ever since, while Abhiguna Wardner calls himself a royal astrologer. He believes that politically, quote, the president, he has such auspicious time and so much power in his planetary position that he cannot be defeated in an election. If he gives someone else the position or steps down or retires, that's the only way, unquote. 
But when the astrologer was interviewed over the internet by a local website, DBS Jayaraj, he was far more categorical on Rajapaksa's prospects. He was asked, what is your astrological view regarding the presidential election? His answer, the president will be re-elected for the third and fourth times as well. What is the reason for stating that he'll be re-elected for the fourth time as well? He has the planetary positioning suitable for a very great leader. Asked by the website to provide some astrological details, Abhi Gunnar explained that Rajapaksa has been born in the house of Virjo. During the past 66 years after independence, the country was ruled mostly by the individuals born in the House of Virgo, former Prime Minister Dudley Senanaka, Shrimavo Bandranaka, and former Presidents J.R. Jayawardena and Mahinda Rajapaksa were all born in the House of Virgo. But the internet also revealed that in a post-election interview with Agence France Press, the normally ebullient Abigail Wardner admitted that he was trying to keep a low profile for the time being after the president's defeat, while remaining confident that the setback would not lead to all his personal followers deserting him. I am avoiding talking to people, especially the media, but I have a big following and they will not abandon me, he claimed in the phone interview from his home in Gaul. Apigun Wardner then asserted that he had tried to console former President Rajapaksa after the outcome of the presidential election became clear in the early hours of Friday, January the 9th, before Rajapaksa made his pre-dawn departure from his official residence in Colombo. Nevertheless, as Rajapaksa made his unpredicted exit from power, while his house was not burnt down, Abigail Wardner still had to pay for it. He had to hand in the keys to a grace and favour bungalow he had occupied in another part of the city. He had also lost his limousine and its chauffeur and had to vacate his seat on the board of a state-run bank. So far, I've been unable to find on the internet any reports of which Sinhalese astrologer advised Health Minister Maitrapala Sirisena to make his successful bid for the presidency. What we do know is that Sirisena and his fellow co-conspirators relied on an exclusive connection between their latest electronic gadgets to quietly plot their non-violent revolt against the long-dominant president. So when Sirisena told Rajapaksa on the morning of November the 22nd that he was resigning from the cabinet and opposing him in the election, it came as a complete surprise. Astrological psychophancy, rather than the shrewd advice of well-connected political advisers, had simply left Rajapaksa completely unprepared for Sirisena's departure. Subsequently, he could only bitterly remember that the previous evening Sirisena had been his guest for a supper of a favoured Salonese dish of egg hoppers without ever saying a word about his upcoming exit and opposition. As he fulminated against this apparent treachery by his health minister, Raja Paksa perfectly illustrated the isolation from reality which a dynastic dictatorship inevitably breeds and which was to hasten his downfall. The full Sri Lanka picture is far from complete. 
The absence of much background information reminds that many of Sri Lanka's best journalists fled abroad during the Rajapaksa years and the new Sirisena regime has made a priority of inviting them back again, which will only happen if the Sri Lankan press quickly regains much of its former freedom. But clearly one apparent result of the election is Sri Lanka is not going to become the North Korea of South Asia. What is remarkable is that so little international attention was paid to the fact that Sri Lanka was clearly heading in the dynastic dictatorship direction. Sri Lanka is used to the preeminence of a few families. The Senanayakas and the Bandaranayakas easily come to mind. But the Rajapaksas have pursued personal dynastic dominance to a far greater extent. In the ranks of his government, President Mahinda Rajapaksa was not alone. His brother, Gotabaya Rajapaksa, was the defence secretary in charge of the armed forces which grew substantially from their former insignificance in order to fight the civil war. Brother Basil Rajapaksa was all along the main economic adviser and then the Minister for Economic Development. Third brother, Shamal, was the Speaker of the House of Representatives. Altogether, the brothers were effectively in charge of five ministries which additionally covered urban development, law and order, finance and planning, ports and highways. Then there was the son, Namal Rajapaksa, the dynastic heir, whose main contribution to the recent election campaign was to bring in some Bollywood stars for the electorate to savour. But that is not the end of it. Numerous other relatives enjoyed a wide range of official positions, and Mahinda Rajapaksa was not shy about publicising his clan, expecting to once again win approval at the polls. He did win it for much of the last ten years. But a Canadian writer, writing an op-ed piece in the New York Times, Wells describes both the pervasiveness and the changing Sinhalese perceptions of the Rajapaksa dynasty. Quote, When I visited Sri Lanka last summer, speaking with various hired drivers, provided as ever a reliable barometer of the national mood, I was struck then by their sudden uniform silence whenever the president or members of his family came into the conversation. And they came up often enough, mostly as my wife and I remarked on the ubiquitous presence of Mr. Rajapaksa in the country, the president, his brothers, all other family members, smiling beautifully on huge billboards positioned at important junctions in almost every city and village that we visited. Why were these Sinhalese drivers, otherwise congenitally loquacious, whose predecessors plumped up with pride whenever their president was mentioned, why were they suddenly so silent? In fact, one driver was willing to say one thing, very quietly, before he quickly changed the topic. It's become too much, unquote. It's become too much. Public opinion began to move against the once popular dynasty, but not decisively so. In the immediate aftermath of the election, Defence Secretary Gotabaya was the only member of the dynasty reported to have quickly left the country, using an Air Force plane to fly to the Maldives Islands. But as far as is known, ex-President Rajapaksa is not yet encouraging a dynastic departure. Still, 
Mitropala Sirisena, narrowly won the election on January the 8th and very quickly installed himself as president on January the 9th, just in case Raja Paksa used his residual presidential powers for some post-election trickery. Professor Jayadeva Uyan Goda of the University of Colombo well describes the complex political prospects before Sirisena. Quote, the challenges and obstacles awaiting him will be both daunting and complex. The election result shows some of these complexities. First, it is the Tamil and Muslim minority vote which gave Sirisena the edge over Raja Paksa. The support he received from the northern and eastern provinces and electoral divisions where Tamils and Muslims are a significant minority was overwhelming, in many instances even reaching over 65% of the votes cast. In the same vein, Suri Sena failed to secure majorities in most of the electorates which are predominantly Sinhalese. In many such districts, Rajapaksa emerged the clear winner, indicating that his rural Sinhalese vote base was not seriously eroded, although it has diminished. Third, Mr. Rajapaksa's United People's Freedom Alliance still has a clear majority in Parliament, over 135 seats in the 225-member House although there have been some key defections to the NDF during the election campaign, unquote. So, will the number of those defections be enough to also give Sirisena a parliamentary majority? Or will a demagogic Rajapaksa seek to negate the election result by arousing the Sinhalese against the minorities who supported Sirisena? The election has solved some problems, but it poses many more, like Sri Lanka's undying communal tensions.